Welcome to this week's special 30th episode of the Down the Pub podcast. We had an amazing opportunity to sit down with Halifax Wanderers founder and president, Derek Martin, and we were also joined by a round table of Wanderers fans. We recorded this at the Economy Shoe Shop, so I wanted to thank them for allowing us to record the podcast there. The audio is a little bit off, so apologies, but it was recorded in a busy bar, so please bear with us on that. You can follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. If you head to downthepub.ca to subscribe, you'll never miss an episode. Now on with the show. I've been a wild rover for many the year. I've spent all my money on whiskey and beer. Let's listen. But now I'm returning with golden great So, um, welcome to this week's episode of the Down the Pub podcast. This is our 30th episode of the show, so we're doing a special Wanderers episode. Uh, we are kindly joined by the main man himself, uh, founder and president Derek Martin. And we're also joined here by some Wanderers fanatics who have plenty of hard-ass questions to ask. So, I just thought we'd introduce ourselves first, just let people know who's here, and then we can get going and ask Derek some questions. Hi, I'm Andrew Watson, uh, Wanderers season ticket holder. Um, I was in the kitchen last season. I'm looking forward to this season. Um, Hi, I'm Denton. I'm in uh, Section 105, the Lighthouse, and I'm also the uh, erstwhile guy that dresses up in a big privateer outfit, which is, you know, a a big part part of the day. Uh, I'm Alex. Cool. <laughs> um, I was on the podcast last week. Um, I am fairly new to Halifax, so not a h- huge Wanderers fan, but I am yeah. very excited to be one. I've only been to one game, but I've met all these lovely other fans, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Hi, I'm Mike Campbell, 102 uh, Jess Wadham, Blue Pixie, 104 The Wharf. Same as Jess, uh, Chris Searle. I run the Instagram page as well as the right hand man to Anthony on this podcast, Down the Pub. Uh, yeah, great to ha- great to be on. Thanks for uh, asking me to come on, and happy to answer some questions as best I can and chat about the club. It's a it's a fun thing to be able to do. Awesome. So my first question is, what possessed you? to start your own team like are, are you mental like it seems like, a, <laughs> seems like a hell of an undertaking uh, yeah you know I, I find a lot of times things like this uh, just somewhat happen you know it's a series of events that over time lead you to a place where you're in a position to uh, do something like this so um, you know for me I've always been involved in sports uh, since I was a little kid I played the other football uh, growing up so uh, I went to St. FX after growing up in Hamilton Ontario I went to St. FX to play football that was kind of my introduction to the East Coast I didn't really know where any Ganesh was or I had Nova Scotia before and I uh, kind of came blindly when I was recruited to play football and uh, fell in love with the place and the people and uh, made all of the friends I have now really when uh, I was at X and the people I've met since. So 
uh, you know, after that experience at Saint of X, um, I was lucky enough to play professionally in Europe for a couple of years, which is really where I got my first introduction to soccer, uh, because I was able to go to a number of games. I lived in France and I lived in Spain, uh, and got to see like this really crazy different experience that I had never experienced here in North America. I've been to NFL games, I had kind of done the typical things, but I think my very first game was a Champions League game uh, in Munich, which was Bayern Munich versus Arsenal, which must have been back in like 2001 or something like that. And it was just an amazing, different experience. So I, I kind of fell in love right away. But, you know, admittedly, I didn't uh, that day decide I wanted to own a, a professional soccer team. I kind of continued on in the uh, in the sports world. I got a job working in sports in Toronto, uh, managing the Vanier Cup, which is the college football championship. Uh, so that got me a, gave me a start in event management and in sports. And really, it was just kind of one step after another. I ended up meeting my wife. Uh, while we lived in Toronto, she was from Halifax. Uh, once we decided to get married and wanted to have kids, we decided to move back here, uh, moved back here, realized there wasn't really a sports industry uh, in Halifax other than the Halifax Mooseheads at the time and University Sports. So I uh, decided to start my own business and I started my own uh, company called Sports and Entertainment Atlantic. And uh, for the last 10 to 12 years, we've been putting on large scale uh, international or national sporting events. So uh, probably our you know biggest claim to fame uh, back in 2011, I had this crazy idea that we could put a beach volleyball stadium on a parking lot in <laughs> uh, yeah. That's where when I when yeah. saw your name, that's where I remember yeah, your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, anyway, figured out how to do it, and we pulled it off and uh, built a 2,000-person temporary stadium and six beach volleyball courts uh, on a parking lot and uh, really everything's kind of built from there towards me figuring out that hey you know these modular kind of setups can work and uh, you know being in the sport industry the challenge of us not having an outdoor stadium came up over and over and over again um, and really kind of the Wanderers soccer experience really started back in 2015 uh, because at that time, I was man I managed to convince Rugby Canada to bring uh, the men's national team to Halifax to play a professional rugby team from Glasgow, Scotland, the Glasgow Warriors. And I'd always noticed the Wanderers grounds and thought it was this great piece of property that was so underutilized in the heart of the city. So I got the city to agree to let us host the rugby game there and brought what had the plan was to bring in temporary seating and get it up to a 5,000 capacity venue. Um, it all went really, really well right up until three days before the game when the teams arrived and they all came and wanted to look at the field and started walking around and realized that the field was in such horrible shape um, that they refused to play on it. So what happened? It was, it was that bad where at that time, if anybody's been in Halifax this long, that was just the same grass that's on your front lawn or your backyard there had been no work to kind of turn it into a field it was just the grass that was left there so it was rough and there were patches and it was uneven and there was some rocks and some debris and you know at the end of the day we knew there were some issues but the city was working to try to fix them uh, and unfortunately some of the things they did to fix it actually made it worse um, so at the last minute we had to move to an alternative site uh, Graves Oakley which is in uh, Spryfield. And we ended up moving the whole event in 48 hours. Still had a sellout, 
pulled it off. It was a warm, sunny day. It went off without a hitch. It was really brilliant uh, how it all came together. And that led the city to, they, you know, they were somewhat embarrassed um, that, that this happened. And uh, that fall, city council agreed to basically rip up the wanderers' grounds, bulldoze it, build it back up from scratch with the proper drainage, uh, you know, proper base, sod, everything else. Uh, which really is what's led to the beautiful pitch that you see now because the city fully invested in creating something that would be able to host high-level international rugby, high-level international soccer, which is what opened the door uh, for a conversation that I had you know, the next year with someone, a friend of mine, Paul Byrne, who was uh, brought back to help kind of get the CPL off, off the ground. And, uh, he said, "Hey, we're you know we're we're starting this league and we want to be coast to coast and you know you're the guy I know in Halifax so you know what do we have to do to try to get something going in Halifax?" I said, "Well, your timing is great because I just kind of went through this whole project and I'm aware that they're going to fix this field and it would be the perfect spot to have a team and uh, and it really just all started there." Yeah, I must say the uh, the, the Grey's Oakley like I was there for the game and. Uh, it was such a great turnaround, and because of the weather and the free blown, uh, free flown beer, it kind of yeah. <laughs> people didn't mind it so much. Yeah. To be honest, I've learned beer. Beer makes a lot of <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. So, um, Chris, uh, if you do, if you want to start off with a question or two there, and we can. I figured you were going to ask one of these fine people, man. It's going to go along the bench. So, Andy, you're last. Um, there, okay. in regards to building the team this year, uh, last year compared to this year, much, much younger. Yeah. Um, was that something that you guys were considering building the team beforehand, or did it just kind of turn out that way? For this year? Yeah. Yeah, no, that was a key strategic decision that we made. So, you know, obviously it was tough after last year. You know, we had to make a really significant overhaul of the roster. Um, you know, it's a tough decision to make, but we knew that we didn't have the right mix. And part of that was age, you know, and I think um, you go into this as a first-time uh, league for your first season, a first-time manager, and Stephen, even though he's got great uh, coaching experience uh, with national teams, yeah. you know, the truth is he'd never had to build a, a professional club before. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're, we're going into it all pretty green. And, you know, we brought in some great guys, some good people, you know, they, they gave amazing effort. But at the end of the day, we didn't have, as evidenced by our results, the right mix, right? And, and the minute you start to then try to fix that, every action has a counteraction. So the minute you decide to move uh, one player and bring someone else in, then that either based on salary or based on position or based on age totally starts to impact all the other positions. And before we knew it, we were looking at it saying, to do what we think we need to do to compete, we really have to kind of blow this thing up and, and almost start with a fresh slate. And, you know, I think the one thing we did do well last year is we knew we were not that experienced, so we didn't lock ourselves into multi-year contracts, um, which then gave us the flexibility to do what we did. Um, but that's not, you know, what we've done this year is we have signed most of the players, if not all, to multi-year contracts. Um, but part of that is you have to make sure you bring in players that are younger, that have potential. Um, and, you know, now that we kind of know what we need, you're able to assess talent. And, and admittedly, uh, I think I've said this and you guys would know this, you know, we're a draw. Yeah. You know, and, and the fact that we have such great fan support, the fact that we play on a grass surface, the fact that Halifax is such a great, cool city to live in, we were blown away by the people that were reaching out to us and pursuing us in terms of coming here and coming to the team. And, you know, I think 
I'm really excited about the lineup we have. I think when you look at the pedigree of the players, the age, as you said, but, you know, the number that have come through MLS academies, the number that we're, you know, the, the internationals are bringing in that are much younger than the internationals we had last year, but still have better kind of resumes than, than what we had before. Uh, we're really excited about what we have, but at the end of the day, we won't know until we start playing. And every other team, I think, has gotten better as well. You know, when you look around the league, they've all learn too from what happens uh, so it'll be really interesting to see what the teams look like once we start playing <laughs> Jess um, so mine actually kind of builds on Chris's because I think I think the roster this year is fantastic I remember the last podcast we said I was super excited to hear who keeper number two was going to be and um, when you guys announced Volio I nearly cried I was so excited um, but my question is more along the lines of like if you and like if you and Steven came down head to head over a player who's got final say there or do you guys just toss a coin? Um, no, that's a great question. Um, actually, that's a good question. I would say uh, I am uh, not involved in that like in terms of uh, Steven's hired to manage the team so ultimately he has to bring in the players that he wants to go to war with and my role is more from a budget standpoint and from a you know total mix as how that player not only relates to our club on the pitch but also how they relate to the club off the pitch. So, you know, what kind of a person are they? And are they going to be great in the community? And are they going to be able to do some of the other things we're going to ask of them? Steven and I get along really well. There hasn't been a situation like that. There hasn't, there hasn't been something where you know he wanted someone and I said no way we can't have that person or. I've never, I, I don't know. So I I know what I don't know, which is I can't evaluate talent of soccer players. So um, I stay out of that. I just in there to ask questions. And, you know, if they like a player, I kind of ask some product questions to just make sure they kind of thought it through and looked at it from some different angles. And at the end of the day, if they're sold, that that's the right player for us and we can get them at kind of the right contract terms that makes sense for the whole club, then... Where did you go? Michael? Me. Um, the phrase that you used last year that is uh, building community through sport. And um, I think that when I first heard the phrase, I didn't, that was a great phrase, great sounding phrase, but I didn't really connect with it. Um, but as the season went on and I, I sort of realized, oh, I am part of this community. I'm meeting all these people in the stands and all these, you know, guys at this table, people at this table. Um, people on social media and uh, so there has been this community built and I just wondered if you could expand on that or touch on that. Sure, yeah. No, I, I really believe that statement. It's not just a marker sure, of mine. Yeah. I, I, in my whole experience of being an athlete, of being a fan, of working in sport, I am more drawn to the experiences people have in the stands than I am to what they're watching happen on the pitch or on the field, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think especially with live sporting events and with a community team like this, you know, there's no denying that you can watch, you know, uh, higher quality soccer on TV, right? Like, like no one's trying to say that this is an EPL quality game or this is a Bundesliga game. We're all aware of where this fits in the global game. But you can't get an experience sitting on your couch like you can get being in the stands and being in the stadium and doing what you guys are doing right here. Like this, this right here is the perfect example of why 
you're creating a community through sport because you guys, I don't know how many of you knew each other before the Wanderers came around, but I guess few, a few maybe, but not a lot. There's a couple players here and that's about it, but yeah, you're right. Right, and and I think, you know, what gives me the most joy as I look out on a full stadium and, and the stories I hear at the events we have or when we get together like we did last week, you know, I know the Firths, for example, came up to me at the end of the season last year and, you know, they had season tickets. They sat, I think, in 103, 104, 105? Right, 104, they were right behind Okay, yeah. so, so a bunch of the people sitting around them learned that they were Scott's parents and all of a sudden they all went and bought Scott's jersey and then they're all sitting around them. And they, all, they all became this, this crew, right? Where, you know, you're the... The, the crew, the wharf, the 102, the 104, the kitchen, whatever it is, great. people now are creating these micro-communities that they're feeling a part of, and you're, you're, you're a part of something bigger than just yourself, and, and that's why when I get asked, or we, you know, we look at why this is taken off uh, the way it has, there's lots that goes into it, but one of the factors is Halifax is growing. And as we grow with all of these people that are coming into the city from different places, people are looking for ways to connect with other people, right? And you can't do that sitting at home on your couch watching a game on TV. You can't do it in a bar the same kind of way that you can when you're in a stand, in the stands, you know, standing beside somebody, having that thrill of cheering a goal or, you know, complaining about something, a bad call. <laughs> these are all things that galvanize people together because they're a shared experience. So when we create shared experiences, we're creating community, and that's what's really kind of cool to watch how these relationships start, and you know, all of a sudden now there's groups of friends who you know would have never become friends if it wasn't for sitting beside each other at a at a soccer. So that's that to me is that idea coming to life. Of we are building a community, we're creating a community, we're creating new communities through sport, which I think is the power of sport. I've got little kids; I don't expect them to. They play hockey. I don't think they're going to make the NHL. But I love that they're making friends. Mm -hmm. And they make friends on their hockey team that are different than the kids they're friends with at school. And then when they go play basketball, they have a different set of friends that their teammates that are their friends at basketball than at hockey. And when they play soccer, that's a different group of kids that they're friends with. And that's kind of the cool part of, I think, where sport fits in culture. Just in terms of this group, we have a podcast with Anthony and Celtic Corner in December. And James Covey and uh, Alan McDonald were also there. And I think. Every day since we've been chatting on, uh, on yeah, Facebook, just to that, I've gotten to know these folks a lot more than I. Yeah, yeah. The I, that we have has become almost a bridge. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. scared of that. I, uh, <laughs> somebody asked me. I think you asked me if I was if I saw something on there. I, I cannot. I will not ever go on there. I don't want to see <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's for you guys. It's it's not it's but it's all about you, though. That's the problem. <laughs> that's <laughs> good. one more reason not to. Look. It's all good, man. <laughs> Gonna rename it the Derek Fan Club. Yes. Okay. Let's do that. So, uh, Alex, did you have a question? Since you're new to the city and new to the city, should I hold this? So, where are you from? Where did you? I'm from here? Calgary. Calgary. Yeah. I've been back and forth though. Stuck between the prairies and the ocean, apparently. And Serbia. So. And Serbia. <laughs> Alex played professionally in Serbia. Oh wow. Yeah. Briefly, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess from the perspective of a former AUS athlete myself, and yeah, playing overseas, and you, this might resonate with you as well because you played in Europe. Um, you know, when I finished, I left soccer for a while, and then I had to go to Europe to keep playing. So my question, I guess, is how important 
do you think the CPL and the Wanderers is to provide that pathway for players to continue their career after playing university? Yeah, I think it's um, hugely important. Uh, it's something that I think as a league we take very seriously, and I personally take very seriously. We arguably are one of our best players last year, Peter Shale, came through with the U Sports draft. The commitment we've made to U Sports. Um, to allow those athletes to see the pathway, I think is really uh, important. This year we drafted uh, Corey Bent of UCBU, um, who we think is gonna be a great player. Like we fully expect him to you know, play for us and, and be on the pitch and, and do lots of great things, not just uh, kind of develop. So I think when you look at it across the league, there were tons of, I'd say, you know, it, it's one of these surprises of the first season was how well the Canadian players did, right? I think there was a lot of thinking before the season started that it would be dominated by the international players and the Canadian players would come along and maybe get a little bit better by the end, but that's not what happened. What really happened was the stars were all the Canadian kids um, who did amazing. And to see uh, you know players like Tristan Borges you know, move on to a top-level team in Belgium for a really significant amount of money. That's, like, I can tell you that we did not plan for that. As a group, we didn't sit around saying, you know, in the first year, we, you know, one of our goals is we're going to sell a player on to Belgium, and that that was not a first-year goal. So we exceeded, you know, everyone's expectations. And then a, another player like Joel Waterman is a perfect example where he was playing eSports the year before. Then he played for Calvary. Now he's starting for the Montreal Impact and playing well, like contributing. He's not a bench, but like he's on the pitch. He's a player. He's important to their team. He's a so I think um, it's a start, and it, it 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 does give Canadian players now an idea and a path that there there is a way to get there that they probably didn't think existed before. So that's a really cool part of what's happening with this. Do you have one more? Because <laughs> I have to ask. Because, um, yeah, I didn't have that. Like, mm, I had, yeah. you can't really, no, I didn't see any pathway forward for myself. So I, I guess I have to ask do you think that there's an appetite for a women's professional league in Canada and in Halifax? Uh, absolutely. So um, that has been discussed, and we absolutely want to do that. That would be part of the longer term goal. I think we've got to be realistic though about we've got to get everything right first with what we're trying to do on the men's side to then have enough success, enough bandwidth if you will, to be able then to take a leap into the women's side. So um, I think patience is, I know it, it's difficult, but we, we've got to kind of get it right first um, with what we've already committed to, get that investment kind of going to a point where then we have the resources to make an investment again in the women's side, but it absolutely will happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be a failure if that doesn't happen mm -hmm. at some point. I would be hesitant to put a timeline on it because that's probably not a smart thing to do, um, but, but it's definitely part of what the CPL as a group wants to do, what every owner wants to do. And it'll just be how long it takes us to get there to get more ready to do it. And, and to do it right. Mm -hmm. right. I think it would be a huge disservice to the women's game to try to start something too soon and fail. Because then you're not going to be able to get it going again. Right? 
So I think that's part of what we have to do. That's an awesome question. Like, like it's uh, it's nice that you asked that because that's the Canadian women's game is yeah huge. It's, it's, it's something that's untapped. I think rightfully the the women have far uh, surpassed the men in Canada in terms of success and in terms of what they've done on a global stage. So mm-hmm. by many ways, CPL is a way to try to get the men to catch up. Okay? <laughs> to be to be honest. Um, so I think I think that will come. It's just a matter of you know when we can get there and how we do it. And you know they've been trying it in the states, and I think some cities have done well, some haven't done well. Portland. Um, Portland's done amazing. Right? They have a good player. <laughs> so we got to follow the lead of the ones that have done well and try to make it work. Last time, Chris, I, I forgot to mention Blueface Wanderer himself, Mark Terry, is part of our little family. Yeah, and we couldn't make it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we miss it. <laughs> In relation to Alex's question, kind of the stems of the tree, if you will, is there any plans on de- developing an academy? Um, I don't know how the other teams have been doing it, but like a U21, U19, is there any intention of developing a grassroots youth structure, or are you guys looking to focus on the kids that would be promoted right to the first team? Yeah, uh, so yes, uh, there is a plan. Uh, we will be kind of saying more about that in the next few months okay. for us. Okay. Um, I will say, though, uh, we're, not, we're not interested in an academy per se. Okay. Um, academies are, are interesting beasts in terms of you know, the resources they require to make them work. Yeah. And the success they have is very questionable in terms of return on investment. The other big thing we said from the very beginning, and we, I'll, I'll continue to be consistent with this until someone tells me it's the wrong thing to do, is I don't want us to ever compete with the existing clubs that are operating in the market. Okay. So I never want uh, Dunbrag or Dartmouth or Halifax City or Suburban to feel like we're trying to take kids out of their okay. system and put them into ours. I see the Wanderers as the top of the pyramid, and I think we gradually have to work our way down, uh, where currently we have the senior team. Um, you know, in our conversations with Soccer Nova Scotia, we're encouraged by you know how their numbers are growing in terms of, I think we're doing a, we're helping in terms of getting more kids to start playing the game and to get into the sport. And then we want to focus on that next level down. That's kind of the next step. So we will focus on that U23, U21 area where there's a bit of a gap right now between kind of aging out in the club system at 17 or 18 and then playing university and then where do you go after that. Um, and then we'll be, we're working in, in discussions now with Soccer Nova Scotia about how we help them with kind of that uh, 15 to 18 year old age group. Okay. Yeah, take advantage of the coaching resources that we have with Steven, uh, with Jan now coming in. Um, and as you may have noticed, we just signed yesterday. Legend, is it? Legend, Great guy. Um, you know, and, 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 and that wasn't by accident. You know, like, you know, we've obviously known him and, and gotten to know him a bit. And Steven coached him, so there's a good familiarity there. But it was important to us that we tried to bring somebody in that was from here. And that understood the local market and understood where things are and where they need to go. And um, we really think he's going to be a great addition to the club and you know, not only help on the pitch with the professionals, but help us as we start to well, developing that use A couple of weeks, maybe even months ago, we were talking about who would replace Derek. 
And I mentioned his name almost as a joke. Not that he didn't have the skills or the reputation to be the assistant manager, but we're thinking of local guys who could do it. And he was almost the glue gun first person that came in my head. Yeah. And it was funny, down the road, yesterday, there it happened. I, I think I messaged you guys. I was like, remember when we were talking about that a month ago? It was missing the whole time. Yeah. But um, like you said, the fact that you guys were actually prioritizing looking for somebody local is perfect. That's kind of where my head was going with that position. So, yeah. fantastic. Well, and I think, you know, there, there's, I'll be honest, there's some, there's lots of positives there. You know, the, the other way you could look at it is to say, the more talent you can bring in from outside, the more um, coaching of coaches you can do, like in yeah. terms of developing coaches. Because when we talk to Soccer Nova Scotia, or we talk to clubs, what I've learned in the last year is that I think that's where the biggest opportunity is, is yeah. to help coaches yeah. get better. 100%. Right? 100%. Because if you can help the coaches, then the coaches can help all the kids. But if the coaching isn't at a level that you need it to be, then you're kind of, you're just hoping that maybe a kid makes his way through and, and gets past that level and then gets to the point you can work with them and, and talk to them. So I think um, you know, we're happy. I think, I think it worked out great. We're really happy that it worked out the way it did. Um, and one of the things we'll look to do is how do you kind of bring people in to, to help grow the uh, coaching tree or to kind of develop coaches in the, in the region. Who's the bronze? Denton. Sorry, Denton. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Anytime Chris has something to say, it's well, it's got to be something Alex's Alex's we want to listen perfect, to. Perfect though, because <laughs> how the whole club is going to grow as a structure: women's team, youth team. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, there was something in Mike's question that I wanted to comment on, but of course, I waited because I knew it was Alex's turn. <laughs> but roasted. No. Uh, anyways, um, well, it's what you were saying about community and sport. Because can I plug my own website here? Of course, can you. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's not actually mine, but there's a website called SoberCity.ca that kind of talks yeah. about an alcohol-free lifestyle guide, and I just recently wrote an article talking about. Uh, the importance of live sports as a potentially dry venue because you know if you go to a game to watch a game at the pub you know there's going to be a server coming by every 10 minutes with a hand on your shoulder asking if you've been served and when you're actually at a live event and I was honestly thinking about the Wanderers when I was writing this that you know it is a way to develop community through sport and I actually even used that exact phrase thinking to myself well, at the time I thought, I hope Derek doesn't read this because he'll know yeah. I was ripping him off. <laughs> now I'm admitting it's it. It's all good. <laughs> I don't think I own the term. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a great, um, you know, it, it adds a lot of awareness to yeah. the game when you're live and you're seeing it unfold before you that really does help build the community. Well, and I think, but, you know, one of the things we really wanted to do and uh, tried to do was create different sections within the venue that all had a different vibe, right? I think, you know, you guys have picked up on that. Like, the kitchen obviously is what it is. Um, <laughs> and, and, that, and that's great because that becomes part of the draw. Like, it's amazing how many people I talk to who are not soccer fans but come to watch the fans, right? Which is, which is really cool. Um, 
But if that's not your scene, there's other places for you to go in the stadium that can fit, right? And if you want to sit in the in 104 and you're more into the game and you just want to be able to watch and you want to watch the tactics and you want to be in a little bit quieter environment, there's that. If you want to do the corporate thing and you're there just to kind of be there and to be seen and to talk to people, you can go into the shipping container suites and you know watch some, not watch some, hang out, do whatever you want to do. So, you know that that was an important thing we looked at. You know, the advantage of having a modular stadium is that you can build it the way you want, right? The disadvantage, obviously, are, are obvious. Um, but but we were able to kind of create different zones and different environments that I think feed into that idea where you know this year we'll have a family corner in the north. Uh, Eat west side, so basically kind of across, as far away from the kitchen as you can. <laughs> um, uh, but but then it's marketed that way so that family, you know, parents know that they can take their kids in there and it's not going to be the same experience that they're going to get if they're sitting underneath the kitchen and the language is a little more colorful and, and there's different things going on and there's drinking and there's stuff that they may not yeah. right? understand. So, something for everyone. So there's there's got to be something for everybody because I, I think... Um, there's no doubt that you know having a beer at a game is an important part of the experience for a lot of people, but you got to be able to have something for those that don't want that too, right? Mm -hmm. and that's that's part of what we try to do. Yeah, yeah, and well, I guess I'll uh, go to a, a a quick follow-up question, which um, uh, yeah, the follow-up question, like you were saying, you know, it's it's a strength that you do have the ability to build a stadium modularly, and. A while ago, I posted on Facebook saying, you know, asking everybody, so what should we do for a goal or celebration? You know, should we have like cannons going off or something like that? And okay, maybe we can't have cannons, but. I tried. <laughs> did you? I, I, was, I, was, I was tried. He tried. I did. I, was, I thought I was really close. We actually. I worked uh, for Rod. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, okay. Did, you know. Did. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we actually were working with the Citadel to try to get. Uh, what do they call the the people that come down and do like the like the gun salute like the we, we had it all lined up and then we just couldn't do it because ah. it was too loud <laughs> it was going to scare the horses yes but but it's a, but it's a modular thing so you can still find other things so i wanted to say like if you want to set up like some ship masts where you need like you know pirates to, like you know swing from one pole to the next or something like that like, <laughs> i i think that you could find some volunteers <laughs> It's funny you so. say that because we met with uh, we met with James Covey and oh is he going to be swinging? Here. That's great. Well, <laughs> I don't know if he swings or not, but um, <laughs> oh, uh, on the uh, we gave him we, we I think you guys are having an AGM right for the the privateers. Mm -hmm. So we said to him, we said, if you guys want to come up with something, we'd love to kind of consider it. And and I think those traditions are really cool but they have to start organically. Like, I don't think it's something we can try to do. Um, you look at, like, Portland, how they, I love how they use the chainsaw and they cut off a piece of timber <laughs> yeah. and you know, that for every goal or, you know, whatever it is. I, I think it, those are the traditions that when the fans start them, then they really resonate and they last versus us trying to manufacture something. Oh, we have something, that, some limitations in terms of sound or, like, loud sounds. Was that yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, but wait, yeah. So, uh, Andy, um, I, I guess my question that I was thinking, obviously, see over in Europe and especially in Italy, I guess, uh, obviously, this game is now behind closed doors mm -hmm. because of the coronavirus. Obviously, the season is kicking off in, in a month. Has any kind of discussions taken place 
Uh, in regards to that, or? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yes, uh, we have had discussions about it. We were just dealing with it over the last couple of days in relation to our uh, trip to Dominican and trying to decide, you know, is there an, an issue there? Is there a worry about, you know, if we get there, can we get back? So we're looking at it. It's such a hard thing to yeah. try to assess right now. You know, we don't know what it's going to look like in a month. We don't know what it's going to look like in two months. It could be... Uh, all finished by April 25th. It, it may not. It might be, uh, you know, exponentially worse. So uh, it's a serious issue. And, and you know, when you watch and see all of the events that are being canceled, or you know, I saw they were going to cancel. They were talking about canceling Southwest Southwest, um, the big conference in Austin. Um, you know, my wife is involved in the, uh, that industry a little bit, and they've, they've canceled the Dell conference. There's there's all kinds of different things that are happening. So I think we have to keep watching it. School trips today, the province announced they were going to cancel. So um, we have to be aware of it. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's going to be one of these daily things where I, I truly hope it doesn't get to that point where yeah. we have to look at it that yeah, way. Just but, um, with schedule changes, like if, if uh, like would would games be played behind closed doors? Like I, I honestly have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't we haven't had that discussion. Yet, yeah. so. Like obviously, that's going to be a financial burden then too. Like, is, yeah, is, is, is the club ready for that? I guess. I'm not asking what is in your bank account. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> you, would, you, would, you would deal with it as best you could. You know, I I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's we have not had that conversation yet about you know would you play closed door games or would you delay the season or would you? Uh, I don't know what the reality is of that. I don't know how uh, Italy can do that to be honest, but. Um, Obviously, that's what they're deciding to do for whatever reason. Take in the spring weather, all the fans will have their scarves up around their Yeah, it's 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 an in, it's a it's a difficult one. Yeah. So, uh, like, my question is obviously the the CFL stadium is obviously going to be the, the big thing that's going to be on everybody's mind for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, what's what's the what, what, what do you guys think of? Do you think they should be built? Would you be part of it? Um, or are you happy with... Yeah. I, I guess you don't own the Wanderers ground, so like that might be taken away from nope. you whenever, right? So yeah. what, what's yeah, your Yeah, it is a really interesting uh, situation. I think uh, there's still lots that has to happen before a CFL stadium is built. There's a big difference between the city agreeing to fund a small portion of what they were asked to fund and them saying, let's go ahead and start this. So, you know, we've had conversations with them. There's a number of our partners in the CPL who also own CFL teams that, you know, we obviously uh, want to support them and try to help them with what they do. I said it from the beginning, and I think uh, nothing's changed my mind that we love the Wanderers Grounds. We love the location. We love the atmosphere. Um, I would much rather see us continue to invest in that piece of land, I think. Sometimes people take it for granted that you can just get people to go to events. It doesn't work like that. I think um, if, if our venue was situated out in Dartmouth Crossing or Bears Lake or you know some place that didn't have access to the pubs and the restaurants and the, you know, the vibrancy that makes Halifax such a great place to live, um, I don't think we'd have had the success that we did have last year. So um, I think it's really important that we keep focusing on a 8,000 to 10,000 seat stadium in the heart of downtown that can 
satisfy what we've already proven is a you know loving market that you know, wants to be there for soccer games. Rugby events have done really well. Um, I'd love to see uh, us not get squeezed out of there by anything else. And if there's an opportunity to build a large stadium somewhere else, we. You know, give them all the support we could and wish them the best, but we'd love to stay where we are. And uh, I think that's how we build a stronger Halifax by having something in the downtown core that gives people a fun place to go. Is there a, a possibility of the club actually buying the the Wonders Ground? Would that, would that be ever possible? Um, we've had that conversation with the city. So far, uh, that hasn't gone anywhere. Um, the Commons is a really interesting situation. Um, uh, there's some confusion as to who actually owns it, um, and, and it's such a political piece of property that um, I don't know if there'd ever be a, a time when we could own it. I think there could be a time when we could have a long-term lease on it, right? And if we could work with the city and with the province to add to the infrastructure in the city by doing something there that they, you know, return the favor by saying, yeah, you know, you can, you can have it for this amount of time so you can properly finance the construction of a significant venue that you need, um, that's doable. Um, but I don't, I don't really see any, any time when we would own that land, nor, nor do I think necessarily we want to. It's, it's, a, it's an important part of the city, it's an important part of the history of the city. Um, I think we can add to it, but I don't think it's something that we should own privately. Okay. Wow, that was deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because it was one of the questions I had was on expansion. Like, what was the the best case scenario cap for the Wanderers grounds? Like, what was the limitations that you guys had? And the fact that you guys don't own it means that there's probably a limitation that's going to be based on the city. So, like, what kind of preliminary talks have you guys had with the city? Yeah. Is that eight to ten thousand seat thing? For example, if we do end up playing the Impact next year, is that something that you this have year. in mind? Yeah, no, I said next year. This year. Um, is that something that you have in mind for an uh, Well, uh, not this year. Like, like if we, uh, hopefully, uh, we have that chance. We're not that far away. We've got only one round of Canadian championships to, to play. And Glanville's good. They are good. No, they, we don't take it for granted at all, you know. That, they're, as excited as we, they're as excited to play us as we are to play the impact. So, um, you know, I, I think... Uh, it would be an amazing day and night, though, if we host that team here in Halifax with the structure that we have, because that's going to be the hottest ticket in the city, right? And and you got to be careful. You know, I, I, I believe this from way back. You know, my first experience in sport was doing the Vanny Cup, as I mentioned, in the Skydome. Yeah. So it taught me a really valuable lesson right in the game. We would get thirteen to 15,000 people to go to the Vanny Cup in a 55,000 seat venue, and it was horrible, right? Because the atmosphere was just sucked out of the building. Even though you had a decent crowd, like 15,000 people at St. Mary's, the doors are blown off, but you're, you're, lying, you're, you're six people deep standing around the field if you put that many people in there. So it's amazing how the size of a venue can impact what your thoughts are about how successful it was or how much fun it was or what the atmosphere was like. And, you know, we um, we ventured into some music events. We used to do concerts over on George's Island. I don't know if you guys remember that. Oh, we did uh, nice. a Rosetta show. We did a, 
uh, oh, classified show. Yeah, we did that. And another great example where those were 2,500 person concerts, which is not a big number. It's not a huge amount of people. But because you were on an island and because you're in this really cool atmosphere and because you were you know, shoulder to shoulder with all the other people because you were squeezed into the, the footprint, it made for this amazing experience and memory. So. So I, I'm really um, uh, fearful of expanding too soon, and I think you know having a full stadium is more important than having a bigger stadium, right? And I've always said I'd rather I'd rather sell out six thousand seats consistently than have seven thousand people consistently in an eight thousand seat venue, right? And it, it it might seem counterintuitive, but it's very important to the um, optics, to the vibe that's in the city, to the way sponsors want to get engaged with you, like the way that narrative plays out, that hey, this is the place to be and it's such a great atmosphere and it's so hard to get a ticket and you want to be there. That's really important as we try to grow the brand and try to kind of continue to entice people to come and check it out. And I think that's that's one of the things our, our friends in Hamilton were kind of jealous of, and that's why they came out to visit twice last year in an abundance, was that we had that atmosphere. They they were the only team, I believe, that had a bigger crowd than us, but they're playing yeah. in this big CFL stadium. Yeah, and, and listen, in, in, and in 10 years, you know, they, they could be filling that, yeah. right, as this continues to grow. So. So I think they do a great job, and at the end of the day, they've got a huge crowd, and they've got a lot of people, and they've got great support. It's just going to take them a little bit longer to get to the atmosphere that we have. Yeah. But in five years, we're going to have the flip side challenge of saying, okay, now to grow and keep competing with those guys, because they are able to put in 10, 12, 15,000 people, what are we going to do to be able to generate the revenue we need to, to you know, compete at the way the salary cap is going to continue to rise, because there's more money and there's more availability and all this. So, you know, what's good for us now is going to become a challenge in a few years. So we're having those conversations already. What's the plan? Like, what are we going to do? If you remember, you know, this whole project started two or three years ago by me going to council and saying, let's test this and let's see how it works. Well, I think we've proven now that we passed the test. So now it's what do you want to do and how do we do this and how do we build something that's more permanent, that's larger, that, and, you know, I think um, I throw the eight to 10,000 out, we, we can probably get to that number without a lot of changes to the current site, not in terms of the infrastructure, but just like not moving things, yeah. right? That's the lawn bowling yeah. club stays where it is, the uh, Bengal Lancers stay where they are, we can just, you know, fill in the corners and we can fill in the end zones and we can do some different things. Um, but then you start looking longer term and, you know, is that the place that the Lawn Bowling Club wants to stay? And if they don't, then maybe there's an opportunity to take over that part of the land. And then what can you do to grow it that way? You know, this, this, this debate and discussion around the parking garage. Yeah, well. You know, it's, 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 um, it's interesting, but at the end of the day, it's also an opportunity where you're starting to say, okay, well, if they're willing to re-envision what that space looks like, then maybe there's a way that space could be used better for what we want it to be used for, right? Maybe there's a way to extend the grandstand out more and to make more seating and to... So it's just a, it's a good time where I think now that we've had success and it's always easier to go have those conversations with uh, politicians when we've got you know citizens and voters who are willing to support us because they have a great experience um, at the grounds, they are our greatest allies and saying, hey, there's 6,000 people that want this, so you go tell them you don't want to do it. 
it's not essence, it's that thing that's essence. I gotta make the point that the only reason Hamilton's average was higher than ours was their feet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, yeah. Somebody already did the math and it was like, it, it came down to literally 100 fans. So, it wasn't that close. 400 or something. 400? Okay. Yeah. So, we have the top attendance in the league on average. Yeah. Um, hey, yeah. And they're going to be. I went to. I'm a Hamilton boy. Yeah, I, I know. To, that's why I didn't want to talk about it. I, I love the Steel City, man. I do love it there. Yeah. And I went to our games in Hamilton. I went to both. Uh, or two, I guess. And I thought it was, you know, my family was there. It was, it was a good experience. The second one drove me crazy because we should have won it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think, I think, I think the league is, um, you know, we've got a lot of good markets. We've got a lot of good uh, groups that are doing their best to try to make it work. I think, uh, you know, like I went to the championship game in Calgary. Um, they're very similar to us in terms of the right size venue that went full is a really cool. Experience very different than us in terms of that's what I've heard, you know yeah. it's way outside of the city. It's not a downtown thing, but also really kind of unique and cool in the way that you're in this. You're kind of on a. It's like you're in a theme park, you know, where you get there and you walk around. And there's lots of room and there's stuff going on. So, so it's. I, I love that. I love that there's all these unique, different experiences, different venues. Uh, Pacific has a great stadium. You know, I love what they've done with the. Uh, the wooden stands and the, uh, the atmosphere that they create. So I think, I think we're in good shape. Well, I have a quick question. Um, so uh, today I was reading that the Atletico, a lot of the players have gone to Madrid for preseason training. I think we'll they've, be going to Madrid. They've opened up the stadium for them to, to do a training yeah. session apparently. Yeah. So for, that, for you guys, like in terms of player recruitment, like that's a huge draw for those guys. Like, how do you think you're going to be able to combat that? Uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a great draw. You know, also when you play for the Wanderers, you know that you're going to be your film is going to be seen by all of those teams, right? So you're going to play Atletico Ottawa, which is going to be watched by Atletico Madrid, and you're going to have a chance to show them what you're all about. So. I don't look at it as a negative. I think it's going to add to the quality of players that are in the league. So if they're able to attract players uh, that are in their system from Spain, if they're able to attract players that want to play for that brand, that's a good thing. And then we just have to figure out how to compete with that. You know, and we have to figure out what's... I'm happy to put Halifax up there as a, as a place people want to play too. You know, and I've had those conversations with players where they want to play here. This is a really great place to play. Um, so you're, you're going to have that no matter what you do, you know, like Pacific in Victoria, they've got great weather, they've got proximity to Vancouver, they've got, everybody's going to have something and we just have to figure out how to accentuate the assets that we have um, to be able to compete with those guys and, you know, it's going to be really fun to see how that all shapes up and I saw today they signed Ben Fisk as their first player, which, awesome. you know, I think is a great uh, move by both groups. I think Ben's a great ambassador for the game. I think he's a, he's a great kid. He speaks really well. I think he'll do a great job of kind of representing them. And, um, you know, it'd be really interesting to see. I think it might be a player of ours that last year that shows up there at some point. So it's... Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's sitting around the table already. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that kind of is a... Uh, a thing for the players to kind of say to themselves like we're going to go to Atletico Ottawa and, and beat them just because they've got the backing absolutely they think it's a good absolutely like, G up if you them. don't think that all of our players aren't going to be extra motivated to 
perform at their highest when they're being watched by a guy who's in the coaching system at Atletico Madrid, they're going to get everybody's best game. So it's going to be tough for them that way, right? Like they're they're going to get everybody coming there with their A game, and uh, I think it's going to make for some. And listen, I, I loved our experience last year. I went to the game we played the Canadian Championship in Ottawa. I think it's a great facility. I love what they've done with the setup there, with the bars and the restaurants right beside the stadium. It's a really cool experience, and uh, I'm looking forward to going back. Um, when we play this year. I, I think that's probably like almost a our derby game because yeah, the closest. The closest. Yeah. So I think so. Yeah. I think a lot of people are yeah. actually planning going down to it. Yeah. So it should well, be. Uh, somebody's booked a flight already, haven't they? Hmm? Haven't you booked a flight already? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people already getting ready for that Ottawa game. And so we were, I'll fantastic. tell you a story. So we were, we were at our owners' meeting when the schedule came out, which was very crazy for the staff. <laughs> um, but uh, so I, I, I'm, following, I'm kind of looking at Twitter every once in a while while I'm in the meeting. And I see you guys tweeting about how many people have already booked their tickets to go to Ottawa. <laughs> so I walk over to Jeff Hunt, who's the managing partner for the uh, the new team, and I'm showing my phone. I'm like, look, we already sold like we've sold more tickets for your game already. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've, like, we've got like ten people that have already said they're coming to this game, and he's laughing. And he thought it was great. He's like, oh my god, this is amazing. This is great. And then the, the guys from Atletico Madrid were there, and they're looking at it, and everybody's having a great time. So like, know that that stuff matters. Right? Like, 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 it's 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 not insignificant that you know owners of teams and people involved see how passionate people are about the sport and about coming to sports team. Like, that's that's not lost on people. Like, that's a big expense. Like, to fly to hotel rooms to go for a game. Like, it's a people appreciate that. Right? It's it's not insignificant. You know, Atletico's not fury, but they're still. There's something about that last year's Fury engagement rivalry. There's some unfinished business. Well, they keep coming at us about the Tomatoes. We can't allow that. There was some, like, like, there was a lot of great moments at the Wanderers Grounds last year, but I think there was nothing like that Fury game in terms of the electricity that was yeah, in the stands, the wildness in the, in yeah. the stands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, as you said there, like the, 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 the Blanville game, they're going to have that same feeling against us. Like they're going to feel that they're, they're going to get one up over the big boys kind of thing. So I think that's going to be an electric game too. I, I agree. I, I love those games. Yeah. I think they're great. They're scary um, because you definitely don't want to lose. But even last year playing Vaughn, they played us tough. Yes, they did. Yeah. Very we, we squeaked that out, really. If you look back, it was a penalty. Yep. That really was the difference, and uh, you know they'll put all of their effort into recruiting players that are there to play that game, and uh, it'll be it'll be really tough. I mean, the other nice thing about a really tough game is that. Uh, I mean, against the Vaughn game, it was also a bit of a scouting opportunity because that's where, you know, it was a good game and that's where we found Duran Lee. And yeah, I'm sure if if Blonville gives us a good game, then, gee, maybe we'll look in to see if we can recruit some players from Quebec. That's never been done before. But you may have noticed that. <laughs> 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 but I will, I, you know, I, I, will, I will address that because, I, you know, I, I have seen a few of the comments. And at the end of the day, that was not by accident. So when you look back, the biggest uh, complaint or criticism we had is that we, or challenge perhaps is better than better term, is that we didn't have an academy, we didn't have a system, we didn't have a group of players that had played together since they were 13, 14 years old that knew how to play together. So we looked at that and said we can't recreate that 
Like, we can't just make that happen all of a sudden. But the closest place to us that doesn't have a team has that in abundance. So why not steal uh, <laughs> from the investment they've made in having these players all grow up together and play together for five or six years and try to get some continuity. So when you look at players like Goyette, uh, Rigi, Gems, uh, Jeffrard, um, these guys all played together through the Montreal Impact system. They, they're friends. They're they're living together. They're they're excited to play together again. And, and we hope that that translates to some familiarity when they get on the pitch to say, hey, like it's not like I've never. I don't know if you're going to go right or left. I know you like to go right because we played together for five years when we were kids. And that's not an insignificant. When I look at what Calvary and uh, Forge did, I believe I don't. You know, I don't believe they were necessarily more talented than them, than we were. I believe they were more familiar with each other than we And credit to them, like they, they deserved everything they got. They won it. But that's what we have to try to figure out is how do we get a better familiarity between the players because this isn't about just trying to go find the 22, 23 best soccer players we can play and throw them, find and throw them out there and watch them try to play a game. This is about trying to create a team and, you know, how does one player play off of the other player and do they know how to work together? You look at Suzuko and uh, Omar. Those guys have spent the last four years playing together in Montreal. It's like clockwork. Like they know where each other is going to be. When they're on the pitch together, they just, they don't have to think. They just react. They just know what's going to happen. And that was something I said when you and me did the team breakdown there a couple days ago. I wonder if Sissoko might have been on the radar and Omar was right there, right? That, that continuity of the position. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you right now, I think I think Sissoko could be the best player in the league. You heard it here first, folks. I am not I, I you know, I, obviously every team thinks they've got great players and every team at this stage of the season thinks they're gonna do well and that's the way sports work. But um, there were two players that lasted at MLS trials this season. Didich and Suzuki. And, you know, this kid, he, he can play. He's really good. And, you know, that's when I look at our team and I say, you know, then you got Goyette, who was, I think, the way he created out in our system, the best midfielder in the league. And we got him. And you got Wells Rampersad, who, again, we think finished as one of the top players in the league at the end of last year. He flew under the radar, that was one of the better players in the league. So you have Morelli, has scored a crazy amount of goals, um, which for us, there's no there's no doubt we need to score more goals. I, I think the reason why the Ottawa game was so much fun is because it was 3-2. <laughs> <laughs> right? 3-2 is a lot better than 0-0. Zero, zero. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 you know, we need to score more. Not, not just to win, but to engage fans that aren't as hardcore as some traditional soccer fans who appreciate the zero zero game, right? We're not, we're trying to attract people who are not, who just want to be there and have fun and cheer and watch the smoke go up from the kitchen. And, you know, that's, it's important, right? As you're trying to build a brand and build a sport, you've got to do that to attract people and then fall in love with it. Then in a few years, they'll appreciate the one nothing. For right now, they want the three team. So in Ireland, like uh, teams like Shamrock Rovers and all that kind of stuff, they actually have 
youth teams that play in the local leagues would that be something that you'd ever look into like having like a Halifax Wanderers junior yeah, team yeah so we talked to uh, Soccer Nova Scotia about potentially putting a team into the Nova Scotia senior league um, we decided against that um, but but there will be a uh, there will be a team that we put together that's a youth team um, that will uh, look to create some uh, games or friendlies, exhibitions, very similar to what we did a couple of years ago with Fortuna Dusseldorf, where we brought their U23 team over and had them play a collection of what we called selects at that time, but a collection of university players, you know, senior team players, potentially players on our team who are young that aren't getting the playing time with the Wanderers that we'd like for them to get, but this gives them a chance to play, and um, that's going to be a part of the Oh, awesome. I think it's great. Yeah. 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 It's, I think it's important. I think so too. So you touched on a lot of stuff about like the way that I can sum it up is you've been reading the fans' minds. So you've been talking about how you want to stay at the Wanderers ground. You've been talking about how like just the atmosphere there is great for the sponsors and everything. The other teams have mentioned coming and they love the atmosphere. Even though we're like chirping them all, they still love that they're playing at a packed the ground. Players love that. They, they love to be the villain. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but and, and then you mentioned that like you're following some stuff on Twitter so I was going to sit on this one for a little later in the evening I wasn't going to pull out the big guns right now but Macron has turned his back on the female fans mm. Macron has pretty much said that like yeah they didn't bring enough female jerseys last year so we're not making any female jerseys this year so I think that Halifax in terms of Quality, especially with what we did for Pride last year. Guys, this Pride video yeah. made a lot of people cry. It was beautiful. It was so well done. And I'm just wondering if Halifax can be at the forefront of trying to put more pressure on Macron to be like, hey, stop ignoring half the population. Yeah, no, I, I have agree. a girl in Halifax who's just yeah. like dying for it's, soccer and just wants to wear a well-fitted jersey that's made for females. It's funny there was somebody here from the CPL that could help us answer that question. Uh, and you know what? I said, Chris, <laughs> I said to Chris, I was like, you know what? I'm a little nervous no, about asking this question now because I fun. come to find out on Twitter, it's not just Halifax. It's a league-wide problem right now. Yeah, no, I, listen, I, I think it was a mistake. I, I think I think that has to get fixed going forward. Um, there's no reason why there shouldn't be a female fit for those kits. I, I think it's uh, it's something we're going to have to take back and try to figure out how to get that rectified. Well, even, even in our last podcast, we mentioned the women's sizes thing, and I went off like pretty pretty angry about it that time. Yeah. And I've chilled out a little bit because I found out it's not just us, it is league-wide. But like, we even had somebody from retail reach out and be like, oh, we don't need a hashtag about sizes, we need volumes up to order. But if you guys don't have my size at the store, yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to buy a jersey that doesn't no, fit. No, I understand. I, to, to be honest, I think it was, uh, it, it's just a mistake. Yeah. It's just a mistake. It's, it's just, it's something we've got to fix because there's no reason why we can't. We take so much pride in those kits. Yeah. Like we spend so much time designing them and coming up They're with unique gorgeous. ideas every Two year. years in a row we have best kit. I said it now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's true. So it's very unfair that we don't have one. So I, I apologize for that. Like it's obviously should, it's not you personally. No, but, 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 but to, be, to be fair, we missed it. Like we just didn't didn't think it through enough mm -hmm. to get there and uh, we'll fix it for next year. I would love to see the league maybe say, hey Macron, female kids or we'll talk to Nike, Adidas, Umbro, anybody else. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not, like, I, you know, we gotta be careful with the narrative. Like, like, Macron's a great partner. I, yeah, I no, for sure. I don't blame Macron on this. This is just a lack of foresight. 
to say, hey, you know what, this is an important thing, regardless of whether it costs more, it's just something we have to do to try to kind of make sure that we don't disrespect the fans that are supporting us and making yeah. this happen. So I, I, I think I've, I've, I have seen some of that stuff and, and I think it's important to get it there. Awesome. I appreciate the support at yeah. the home front at least. Yeah. I, you know, and we'll try, I don't know if we can rectify it for this year. Yeah. You know, there is a chance that we're more of the kids that we have ordered. So I'll, I'll do my best to try to make that. I appreciate you. Speaking of merch, Rover plush toy. Yeah. I would have one on my desk. I would have one on my bedside table. How many can we sell right now? So I have five. How many? You got five? Yeah. yeah, You'd honestly be shy. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. You could honestly even make one of them. <laughs> you can make one of the oh blue like limited edition. I feel like he's a A blue face action man. <laughs> but honestly, like with the real like, <laughs> posters, calendars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is is there any kind of Yeah, like, listen, in those yes, there is. It's it's a, a constant struggle to try to figure out how much time we can put on different things. Um, I, I think we nailed it with Rover. I think Rover's a great mascot. Yeah. I think Rover... That's um, he really yeah, had to have better. exceeded yeah. expectations. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Uh, much like tonight, it, the idea came up over a couple of beers one night, but... Um, I suppose that's what we do. Anything other than Rover? Like, was was there ever any other options? Or question. it is a good question. Well, it's just gonna be Derek just walking on the pitch. No, no, you want you want the honest answer? Uh, there were two ideas. So uh, the first idea was to do a wanderer, like a, and I'll admit, my idea was to do almost like a braveheart looking nice. guy, right? Like a wearing uh, almost like, almost like Blueface. Yeah, not much, not very dissimilar. And he showed me the other night that he bought a, um, oh, the a drinking horn, yeah. 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 Which, which just tops it off to a great degree. But then uh, that was one idea, and then the other idea we said, well, you know, we need something that it, the wander might scare kids, and I don't know if we want a guy carrying a sword around and all that stuff. And then uh, we started talking about what would be unique for us, and the no-station duck toller came up, and obviously that just is a cute puppy, and it's all good, the kids love it, everybody loves it. And then the name Rover was just perfect, where it was a synonym for Wanderer, and it all, it all came together. So we are looking at that. We, we will have a plush toy at some point. Ooh. When, I can't promise, but okay. we're trying to figure that out. I'll just say, I, I sit with some buddies, and they bring your small, very small children to games, and there was one, uh, Rob's daughter um, had just started talking like a few weeks before, and we were sitting there, and Rover was coming along by the containers, and she said, Rover! Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Well, it's just Hal's pretty iconic here in Halifax now, and I think that we have the chance to make Rover just as iconic. Big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so well, great. I had another quick question. I sent a thing on Instagram to the guys on, on the Instagram thing. So in Ireland, the teams do a thing where you can sponsor a player for the season. Oh, yeah. um, I think that'd be a really good idea here. Like, you know, like obviously the Down the podcast would be definitely something <laughs> that we would sponsor a player for. But it's just like on match day in the, the match program, it would just have like this player sponsored by sponsored football. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. 
We yeah. don't have programs. But we have like, cookbooks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've 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 talked about doing a program. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the worry is that there's just a lot of waste, yeah. right? And you're basically printing a bunch of you're printing six thousand pieces of paper that all get thrown under the stands and get collected and just add to uh, more garbage. But um, I'll tell you guys that we are creating uh, this year uh, a magazine for all season ticket members Ooh. that we'll uh, be putting out in the next month. Nice. That's yeah, great. It's got some proprietary issues on the go. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is good. This is good. Denton's plan. No, no, no. It's very different than the podcast. After the podcast, you're going to boy him out. That's basically what's happening. This is a bit of a, uh, this is kind of a uh, player profile you know, where are these guys from? What are they, you know, what are they like? What are they all about? Um, just some interesting kind of tidbits for the club. But it'll only be for season ticket members that will uh, send you. So, so what do you bit about that today about merch? And I think I tweeted the league last year. I'm like, I want to see trading cards. See the old trading cards. <laughs> and then Chris said, the, uh, no, no, you should do your idea. Oh, the ball! No, the panini. Oh, the panini cards. Yeah, yeah. It has like the sticker books. The sticker books. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, you know, panini cards. I- iconic child. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. they're they're very big in the soccer world, more so than I thought. Oh, one sure, sure, during the the last World Cup. Like me and probably about 10, 15 people all every week were buying stickers and we were trading them. I'm 41 years of age. It's kind of weird. <laughs> 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 yeah, I guess that's along the lines of like with the with the posters and the calendar, like I said, cards. Yeah. But the, the other thing I was wondering, the, they did the ball release. I don't know if that was yesterday or today. Yeah. Is that yeah. going to be publicly available? It will. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yell already tweeted yeah. about it that you yeah. can actually already buy it. I worked all day. I worked you can buy, uh, I believe you can buy the ball online. Already. Oh, awesome. And we'll have them in our store. Oh, there you oh nice. And I believe we'll also be at some retail partners as well. How much did York pay for the ball to be their colors? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good question about that. <laughs> 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 They're just pulling out of a hat. It's the same it's color as the logo. It's not quite as bright as yours. Yeah, it's, it's the color of the logo. So, can the Down the Pole podcast sponsor a player for the year? Is that possible? How do we do that? We, we, are welcome, we are welcome to negotiate. No, you just like, so with Shamrock Rovers, you pay 300 euros for the year, and that just pays for you, for your name to be in the program, but by that player's name, saying they're sponsored by. Okay. So, uh, so I would like. I, I, I yeah, like man. the idea. We'll uh, we'll talk about it. Yeah, I'd uh, Chris and Sal would be my sure. go-to guy because he was oh, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. Oh, he was on. He's been on. He's been on. Chris, uh, yeah. So I do have a, another question here. Uh, but yes. Yeah, so it, speaking of uh, journalism and the you know fine pursuit of the higher narratives that exist within the players. What would you think is the biggest potential bromance on the team right now? <laughs> That's an amazing question. Garcia and Aida from last yeah. year. TMZ, that was TMZ. beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Um, like, who will be the best combo, or who are going to be the best friends? friends? Yeah, who, who are going to be the best friends? <laughs> who are always, you know, wow. in each other's oh, Instagrams? <laughs> Who are the Harold and Kumar of the group? Who's the Delian son of the group? The Delian. That's a great yeah. question. I'm trying to think of who has the craziest personalities that would lend themselves to doing stuff like that. But 
I don't know. I, I feel like it's going to be, um, you know what it could be? And, and only because Stephen told me this story today where um, Goyette and Rampersad are going to be kind of the, I think, the kind of engine, uh, engine, if you will, in the middle of the, in the middle of the team. And they both have this crazy respect for each other. And, uh, you know, Stephen told me, Rampersad arrived today, and the first thing he wanted to talk about was Goyette. Uh, and when Goyette got here yesterday, the first thing he wanted to talk about was Rampersad. And they basically <laughs> both signed here, you know, Rampersad was coming back anyway, but Goyette, one of the things that drew him in was he hated playing against Rampersad so much that he wanted to be on his team. That's awesome. So That's hilarious. It's those, those little things, you know, where I think it'll be the things that you don't necessarily jump out at you, where, where those guys I could see just, you know, and, and ideally that's a good thing for our team if they're, you know, connecting at a level that allows them to kind of play really well together and, and be buddies. And, but who knows? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, so it might turn they out might they have, hating each other. Yeah, they might have opposite tastes in yeah, movies yeah, and then it all yeah. falls apart. So, um, <laughs> I saw the uh, big, uh, the Mary Brown's uh, video today with the advert with Christian. Is he going to uh, give up his life as a goalkeeper and become an actor? <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? That's Definitely not. Uh, no, I think Christian did a, he was a good sport uh, to do that and to help out a partner, but uh, you know, I think we like him doing what he does. Yeah. So how, does the, how does the sponsorship work? Is that like a year-to-year thing, or do you guys do term with that? I know the Mary Brown's thing is like a... Yeah, they all vary. Okay. To be honest, they, uh, some partners want to come in for multi-year, some want to just try it out for a year, some we want to just have for a year to see if that's the right partner for us. Um, but we have, uh, you know, I was looking at the list today, I think we have 65 partners. Oh, wow, that's so crazy. It's a large, uh, a large group of uh, companies. And, you know, that obviously helps us in lots of ways mm-hmm. because there's not only a financial commitment that they make, but there's a promotional uh, element to it, and there's ticketing uh, elements to all of those partnerships. So it's all part of the mix of how we kind of try to get that stadium full every single game. So um, I just had one final question for myself. Uh, there's a friend of mine that, that says, you know, he's Jack, Jack Conradi. He's a oh, part yeah. of, yep. So his question to you was, uh, <laughs> do, you, do you think that we're going to have uh, a rugby team here in Halifax? Only if Jack is willing to be the coach. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to have a losing team here in Halifax? <laughs> um, listen, I, I, I think rugby is a great sport. I didn't play it. I think rugby is the most social sport there is. Um, I think the players that play it are all extremely um, respectful, uh, (laughs) crazy, uh, athletic, like crazy athletes. Um, We've had tremendous success with rugby events in Halifax. I I think there's part of this mix of Halifax and the size that it is. It it works really well for high-level rugby. Um, I, I'm very intrigued to try to do Jack and I had had this conversation so that was a planted question but I, I think there is uh, an opportunity for that for sure and I think rugby and soccer work really well together right yep. same size pitch uh, both like to play on grass um, there isn't a significant conversion cost to go between them um, and I've been amazed with the rugby events we've hosted like we hosted Canada versus USA last year amazing great game uh, great experience and uh, it doesn't have the impact on the grass that I feared it would you know even though they're really 
large people um, <laughs> doing uh, really athletic things. Um, it's not like American football where there's very specific areas on the field that get chewed up because linemen are pushing against each other and on hash marks. And, and rugby, you know, I was really encouraged that we could do more with rugby because it didn't damage. So it's always something we really think about when we look at other events is we can't damage one of our greatest assets, which is that great grass yeah. field. Um, but rugby, rugby works. So just following up on these things from the coronavirus, obviously there's supposed to be a Canada-Italy game this year, this in the summer, do you think that might be impacted, or because obviously the Six Nations has been uh, not at this time. Okay. You know, awesome. as, as I kind of answered before, I, I, I think we just have to kind of continue to wait and see what can't, happens. Can't wait for it. Yeah, at, at this point, it's uh, you know uh, business as usual, and we're proceeding ahead and. Until something happens that makes us think that's not going to happen, we'll keep going. So one of mine that I wrote down earlier was because you mentioned how you had to rebuild the pitch from the ground up. Who are the pitch crew? We always yeah. see them walking through the games. Our pitch is gorgeous now. They do an amazing job. And I always feel bad because we know who the Derek Martin is. We know who the, who the Stephen Hart is. We know who the players on the squad are. But these guys literally make it so that our boys can perform at their highest because they're playing on the best grass in the league. So like... I don't know how you picked yeah. them, but who I, are they? I have nothing to do with it. So it's, um, it's, H, it's HRM. So HRM, Parks and Rec. That's cool. Wow. Um, I really hope they listen to this because they, they, deserve, really the job. they deserve all the credit and they have done an amazing job. And I will say that, you know, sometimes they get a lot of flack at the city for, you know, things that are sometimes out of their control, sometimes things that are, but they have committed to that field and the effort they put in daily like they have three or four people every day that are out there that are cutting the grass that are keeping it at the right length that are fixing divots that are you know doing all the things they need to do to maintain it and they deserve all the credit like it's it's they are the unsung heroes of the waters right now i feel they've done a great job what's the height of the ground the height of the grass is a big discussion point. Yes, <laughs> many discussions about it being an inch or an inch and a half or an inch and a quarter, and it matters. <laughs> Size matters, apparently. It does. <laughs> Town the cover. Um, I have two quick ones, I guess, Derek, to close off. Number one, friendly numbers. How many of you guys are going to play down south? And is there any intention of playing one here for the public? Good questions. Uh, I think right now there's two. Down south. Um, so uh, last year the league uh, organized a trip to the European Republic and we all went, uh, which was great and really good. I think as a first year thing because it was a good chance to, you know, do some things to educate all the players and coaches on league rules and league policies. Um, this year everybody's kind of tried to do their own thing, so there's teams going. To different places. We chose to go back to the DR just because we have some connections there and uh, this year we've actually booked two games against professional teams in the Dominican uh, which will be nice. you know games in stadiums of eight to ten thousand people wow. uh, which you know should be really good for us. Uh, we'll be going in their mid-season. We're starting, so I you know cool. don't anybody okay. don't anyone look too deep into any results that come out. <laughs> but a great chance for us to get ready for playing against York on uh, the first game of the year. Right? So uh, they'll have those. We won't have a friendly before the season starts back in Halifax. Um, 
I guess it's happy to share part of our deal with the city to keep the pitch at the level it is, is that we don't want to play games too early. Of course. Right? So uh, even this year, we were able to get an allowance to start at the end of April. Usually we want to start at the beginning of May. Okay. So uh, we'll play a couple games on the road, usually to start every season. Just protect the grass. Okay. Out to grab a hold and, and get ready. Um, so we'll play those games away, and then once we get back, we're kind of uh, right into uh, the schedule. We've got three games in May and then in June, and then we're right back into it. But we are looking at a few friendlies for the summer. Okay. We haven't announced those yet, but that would be part of that youth uh, development strategy. Okay. Um, we're talking of the uh, soccer association with doing the NSSL final again. Uh, which we enjoyed hosting last year at the grounds, so that was a lot of fun. And we're uh, looking at doing a university game again to, you know, profile the university athletes. And, and part of that that we like is we do a women's game at MNC. So uh, last year we did that with Dal and Smew. I think somebody in the Facebook group had mentioned like the supporters group versus the Wanderers. <laughs> <laughs> We, we'd probably uh, not have any My last one is um, the other guys league wide in your position. Is it more of a brotherhood or is it like a Royal Rumble? What's it closer to? Are you guys competitive? Yeah. Or do you guys want to see the league grow as opposed to prioritizing individual success? Yeah, definitely a brotherhood more okay. than a Royal Rumble. I okay. think at the end of the day, brother is a good term. Uh, because you do want to beat them, right? So when we play, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing to, you, know, you want to be the one at the end of the game who's shaking their hand and um, saying, oh, yeah, good job, but you feel good because you won. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, we're all in it together. And, you know, a league is only as strong as its weakest team, right? So it's really important that we're helping each other grow the sport across the country. I'm happy to share any things that we've done that could be perceived as being done well in Halifax with any other team. I ask them about things that they do, that they do well, to try to apply it here because we all win if the stadiums are full. Yep. We all win if there's more people consuming sport on one soccer. We all win if there's more people buying jerseys. We all win if there's more people um, supporting the partners that we have that are supporting the league. In that sense, we're all kind of teammates. Okay. Brothers, yeah. but you know what it's like when you play your brother. Yeah. If you play backyard uh, basketball or soccer or anything else, you want to kick his butt, right? Yeah. So, so that's fun. Like I, I enjoy that part of it because I want to beat those guys so bad when we play them. But then when we go and meet together as owners and we meet and talk about strategies and policies, we're all together. We're trying to raise the collective and increase the consumption of soccer in the country as we kind of work towards 2026, which is this iconic moment right in the history of Canada for the sport of soccer that if we can if we can kind of build things to that point it's going to be ready to take off so we're all sharing in the same vision um, but on the way there we want to, we want to kick each other's butt so is there a way for at the end of the season that we book the forum you guys have a Royal Rumble in a ring <laughs> for charity. I'm just with the owners. Queensland yeah. 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 guys. I'd be good. I'd feel good about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in regards, kind of Anthony touched on it was. Um, Obviously, we were talking about sponsoring like a, a player, a, a, yeah. a ball. 
but my local team in back from home in Darlington, like, and obviously it's the same as as all the other teams back in the UK and, and so on, is like the mass like having like so I've got two young boys and having them come along and meet the players and is that something like mascot kind of yeah the mascot and and kind of coming on at the start of the game and kind of have your photograph taken with the players sure yeah no, we do some, that like we yeah. um, so we have a program where uh, we do it through the minor soccer clubs oh, okay so minor soccer clubs can basically uh, book the opportunity to do the walkout with the players onto the pitch okay they can stand in front of them when they do the anthem uh, they get a chance to kind of hang out and meet them and, and get to know them so that's part of our soccer program but yeah, it's something, you know, and last year we did a couple of events where the fans could come out after the game. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. And did, like the last game that, I know yeah. we did that, where yeah. um, we, we handed out little team roster kind of pictures that you could get signatures from the players. It was really cool, actually, okay. to watch it happen. Um, but I think we can do more of that. Some Sometimes we're limited, um, you know, talking about Forge uh, in Hamilton or Winnipeg. When they have turf fields, it's easy to do lots of stuff out on the field. With us, you know, we don't want to put thousands of people out on the grass after a game because we, we do take great pride in yeah. the grass looking as good as it does. So it creates a little bit of yeah. a challenge yeah. there. But we're, we're, we're talking through that and trying to find ways that we can do more of that because that's, that's the important stuff. Yeah. It's like, a, right. like, like they do programs back at home as well where like ball boys and ball girls yeah. Like yeah. come from like the local club. Yeah, so we, we do that. We do that. So we work yeah. with a local club that supplies the ball boys and ball girls. Amazing. Yeah, now we're doing all that stuff. Sometimes it's, uh, we try to do a lot of stuff um, directly, not necessarily like out in the public. So, you know, we have uh, almost a thousand seats in the venue that are corporate. Wow. Right? We don't, we don't promote that. Like that's all, that's all. So if you notice all the, the, the seats that are along the field, everybody that sits in, the, in those boxes that are the suites. Yeah, that adds up to almost a thousand people that are in the venue every game, and that's all direct relationship type mm. stuff. Uh, that we deal with the nine soccer clubs that are in the region, and they, uh, I think, almost all of them have participated in a club program where they take twenty season tickets for the club, and then they plan different. We we pick different games that each club gets to focus on, and they get to have another two hundred tickets that they kind of bring the kids out and all the teams. So. There's a lot of this stuff that's happening directly because we don't want to put too many messages out in the public. Really, the message we want to put out there to the general public is come have fun. Okay. Right? Come sit with us. Come, come, come experience this really unique thing in the downtown. Um, yeah, so I was just uh, wondering. A, a few weeks ago, you actually posted an, uh, a want ad on your site looking for a new employee in the retail area. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious to know if that's been filled just out of curiosity. But the other thing is, in the job description, uh, it, you specifically said you, what to to push the retail uh, what to push the retail space beyond the storefront. And I was wondering, like, did you mean that in the sense of uh, new sponsorship partnerships or new business partnerships, or uh, looking at the Facebook groups? You know, we've got fans in Northern Ireland who have decided to become a CPL fan and they chose to be a fan of the Wanderers. We've got people in Hamilton who have said, 
you know, I'd rather be a Wanderers fan than a Forge fan. It happened once, not a lot, but yeah. you know, it's a start. I know. You I know. saw them when I went to the game. <laughs> there, were, there were lots of wearing scarves when I went up there. Yeah, and so I mean, at at some point, surely, like you know, the the league yeah. or the teams are thinking about, you know, well, how do we sell other people's merch in other Canadian cities? Like a CPL, sure. like a CPL stall, like mm-hmm. like would have. So we go to the end. Yeah, so there, there's an online platform, so yeah. you can buy anything. Anyone can buy, not maybe not everything, but there's a, a wide array of things that you can buy online. Mm-hmm. So you can be in England and buy a Wanderers uh, t-shirt or hoodie. Mm-hmm. Um, we are uh, looking to expand locally our presence. So, you know, obviously we moved into the store in Quinnipole, which we really like. Um, it was great being at the Halifax Shopping Center last year, mostly from a brand awareness and marketing standpoint. Um, but we're getting lots of traffic into our store in and we're really kind of proud of kind of what we did with that whole space. Dartmouth Satellite Store? Dartmouth Satellite <laughs> Store. So, um, so there's a couple of partnerships we're working on, and uh, I, I think they're confirmed, so I'll say them, and I might get in trouble. But uh, so we're going to have a uh, we're going to have a kiosk at the airport. Wow! Nice. That's huge. Mark's phone broke at work. Which yeah. is really, really cool. That's and great. Uh, cool, cool not only from a sales standpoint, but you know, you're going to be recognizable now as Halifax's team. Because right? mm-hmm. that's the item that people will buy as they're getting a souvenir or something for Ooh. their kid or somebody else. Push toy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we're uh, and we're working with Cleves to have kind of store within a store kind of concepts where you're going to be able to buy some Wanderers merchandise. A limited, a limited amount. Like you can't get into all inventory at all locations, but um, you know, scarves and toques and t-shirts and stuff. And the, the guys running the Thunderbirds said that that was a big part of their early season success. Was that they reached out to I think it was Cleves. Uh, sport check, I think was the other mm-hmm. one, and they got those hats out. They got yeah. the t-shirts out. Yeah. People didn't know what it was. Kind of developed that. You guys already have that. Yeah, I would say one of our best decisions last year was uh, having the jersey go with every season ticket, because when you saw you know thousands of people downtown on a game day, all wearing the same thing and supporting the club, that's what led to a lot of the energy excitement around the brand so um, I think merchandise is really important um, from a marketing standpoint to show people that this is a big deal right and they, they want to wear it you guys want you, you want to you're not doing it because you have to you want um, and that makes people want to have it too so I just want to thank you Derek um, and I'm a, someone who grew up in Halifax and by the Wanderers grounds all my life and I'm a big history local history buff and to see the Wanderers ground sort of come come to life with a club called the Wanderers has just been really special and yeah. almost it almost felt like it was meant to be yeah year. like it just we were waiting for it to happen so I just want to thank you and your team for bringing it to us yeah. yeah well thank all of you for supporting it I, I just want to thank Derek for coming out and yeah. everybody else as well like you answered way more questions than I, I thought after your fifth question you are going to tell us to go to hell so no, listen, <laughs> I really appreciate I, I, it um, I really think this stuff is important you know I I, I, I I like having the chance to come and chat with you guys and answer questions and I think the more transparent we can be and obviously there's some things we can't talk about but whatever we can you know I think it's important that we share and let you guys know what we're trying to do and where our vision is and where we're trying to go and 
it's a relationship, you know, between a club and the fans. It's not it's not a one way thing. So um, thank you for the chance to come and uh, answer some questions. And you know, I, I kind of learned a couple things that are important to uh, maybe for us to address and try to try to get sorted out so that we can do a better job of giving the fans what they want. So, the yeah, question, exactly. Yeah. You guys aren't getting any uh, cut, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we would like the first few yeah. to set aside. Yeah. 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 So uh, thanks again. I really, really appreciate it. Um, it's to everybody for coming out. And yeah, that's that's a wrap. Well done, guys. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Derek. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Den the Pub podcast. I want to give a special thanks to Derek for spending so much time with us during a very busy time for the club. He was very gracious and answered everyone's questions. We really are lucky to have him taking care of our club. I really appreciate all the support everyone has given the podcast. It's really appreciated. If there's ever anything you want to talk about on the show, you can reach out to us on Facebook and on Instagram. As always, head to downthepub.ca to subscribe. Until next time, cheers.